Welcome to As I Live and Grieve, a podcast that tells the truth about how hard this is. We're glad you joined us today. We know how hard it is to lose someone you love and how well-intentioned friends and family try so hard to comfort us. We created this podcast to provide you with comfort, knowledge, and support. We are grief advocates, not professionals, not licensed therapists. We are you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of As I Live in Grief. Today's topic is near and dear to all of us, and you hear us repeat this phrase over and over and over again because it's vital to our well-being, and that is the topic of self-care. With us today is a very special guest. You know that we record in the States. Our guest today is from the Netherlands. So please welcome Alexandra Maas. And Alexandra, would you just start out? by letting our listeners know a little bit of your background, please. Yes, Kathy, I'm most honored to be in your podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm from the Netherlands. I'm 54. I have been a grief counselor for 17 years now. And I started my work after I was a union and labor union board member for military personnel. And before that, I worked with police officers. And very early in my career, I found that I have a natural talent to attract people who are in grief and listen to them in an active way that actually supports them because they feel acknowledged and they feel their grief acknowledged. And I help them in a very natural conversational way to understand what is going on with them. And understanding your grief is one of the main pillars of self-caring grief, I find. Because when you understand what happens, it isn't so frightening anymore. And it doesn't make you so anxious and so overwhelmed anymore. You can get some kind of uh, feeling of grip on your grief. And and that is very important in self-caring grief. Right. I couldn't agree more. Thank you. And, And thanks for taking the time. Today, I know it's just about your bedtime there at home. Yeah. Um, so we really appreciate you. I'm quite awake. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good. Now, when we talk about self-care, one of the things we try to encourage people to do in taking care of themselves, I mean, it might be something so simple as going and getting a manicure, a pedicure, go have somebody wash your hair, do something to pamper yourself a little bit. You mentioned, which I agree with, and I hadn't really thought of it in that terms, that sometimes by better understanding our grief, that's a form of self-care as well. And Mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought of it from that perspective. But as I think about my own journey with grief, I find that's very true. Because when I started to immerse myself into reading or listening to other podcasts, talking to people in general, That, I found, is what helped me move along. So that type of self-care did, in fact, help me. Now, I ran across, I think probably on Facebook at one point, and you were doing a class, a session, about creating a self-care treatment plan. Yeah. I've worked in the medical industry for a lot of years, primarily on the administrative side of it. But as I understand it, a treatment plan is what a clinician will help the patient write up as a method. Once you've determined what the problem is, what the issue is, you then make some decisions 
about how you're going to treat it, whether it's medication, whether it's physical therapy, whether it's aqua therapy, whatever it is, that's the treatment plan, how you're going to treat that condition. So I am so, so curious, Alexandra, what does your self-treatment care plan look like? Well, I work in uh, VIP days, and for me, VIP does not stand so much for a very important, a very important person because we all are. It stands for a very intensive program. Oh, it means you have one day where you have to get your wits together and your energy loaded, and at the end of the day, you have a program um, which gives you some kind of foundation for your grief system. And because grief is for all of us so very individual, it is not easy to make a, a, a one-size-fits-all program. Right. So I am right. very much mm -hmm. into looking for what is this problem for this person at this very moment and working from that. So I only work either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups like five people and we okay. work online and we have several sessions during one day. And at the end of the day, people have their own self-care program at hand. Okay. Interesting. And the interesting thing of grief, and especially in the, in the first period of grief, where it's all crisis and overwhelm, right? there are so many elements of grief that can be a bother or a problem or give you the feeling you're going to snap mm -hmm. or lose your mind or lose your capacities for living at all. People mm -hmm. get really, really depressed and suicidal in this first phase. And it's very scary because you're, you don't know yourself so broken. Mm -hmm. um, but but the, the signals of grief can be so different. For some people, it is not eating at all. For some people, right. it is eating too much. Mm -hmm. For some people, it is sleeping all day, like being lethargic right. to the point right. of comatose. And for other mm -hmm. people, it's like I haven't slept in two weeks. Right, right. For some people, it is being so anxious they can't go shopping anymore. For some people, it is going out of the house because they can't stand being in the house. Right. So mm -hmm. this is what I mean with grief has such a very personal individual face uh, uh, that you need to address to each person. What is your problem right now? What is the most urgent problem you would like to solve or makes you the most anxious or despaired? Let's get to that particular topic and work that out. Because if you learn how to work out that one topic until it is for you bearable and controllable, you can then um, use that system of getting a grip onto other factors of grief. So this is why a grief self-care plan for just sleep might help somebody for every problem that follows. Yeah. Or them at least some kind of tool to work towards getting a grip on another problem of grief. Right. So right out of the gate, I like this because right out of the gate, you help identify what is the thing that's most troublesome to your patient, to your client, whether it's sleep or eating or, or whatever, isolation, things like that. It, wouldn't it be wonderful if the medical systems all started that way? about what is the biggest problem for the patient. <laughs> yes, um, yes. That would be great. And so then once you identify that, how do you become involved with that client 
to help them decide what they need to do about it. Like, for example, let's take the sleep, for instance. Mm-hmm. If somebody's having a problem, they just cannot sleep. They yeah. can't quiet their mind. What might you suggest for them? Well, it is so simple. It almost sounds offensive. Oh, I have learned from a doctor when I was in grief and couldn't sleep at all. And I went to a doctor and he sent me to an insomnia specialist. Mm-hmm. And this was a, a rather um, abrupt older man who was like, <laughs> like I think he said to all his clients, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, one of those. <laughs> and he said to me, so then you go to bed and you don't sleep. That's it. That's my advice. And I was That's like, his advice? And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm getting good advice. I'm mute. And this is what you tell me. You just lay in bed and do nothing? And then he explained. And he said, it is not about the sleep. It is about resting your body. Because if you focus on sleep, it will never happen. Because (laughs) focusing on sleep is a far too active process. Sure. But what you have to learn is that you just rest. So you don't watch television. You don't do screen time on your on your Kindle or your telephone or whatever. Uh-huh. No screen time an hour before you go to bed even. Yeah. And I find that still a very handy uh, tip because that works really well. Just yes. you know, one hour before yeah. you go to sleep, shut it all off. Right. Even the television. And what you don't do is read a book. And what you don't mm-hmm. do is go knitting or crossword puzzling. Nothing. You just lie there. And it, you know, it. At first, it was it will feel like yes, yes, and now you know quite aggravated about being in bed and frustrated yeah. about being in bed and not sleeping. And then and he said, and then you enjoy lying in your bed. Oh, you don't say to yourself, "I must sleep, I must sleep." You just say to yourself, "Oh my God, this is a nice bed. <laughs> oh, so comfortable. Oh, mm-hmm. my nice uh, clean bed sheet smells so nice." And you just enjoy the luxury of being in a good bed with a good hmm. pillow and, you know, being there. Yeah. And I okay. went home and I was like, this man should be uh, 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 taken into a mental hospital. What kind of a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> and then at night, I was awake again, you know, yeah. lying there staring to the ceiling. And then I thought, well, I have tried everything. I haven't tried this. Let me try this. So I stepped mm-hmm. out of my bed. I made my bed with new fresh bed linen, opened the window a bit so that fresh air could come in, took a hot shower, and at mm-hmm. about half past two, I went back to bed and I said, I'm not going to sleep this night. I'm just going to enjoy my fresh bed. Mm-hmm. And within 10 minutes, I didn't see the clock anymore. And I woke up. <laughs> and I had seven hours straight. And I was like, okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And it, it was just one of those tips where when somebody says Tells you this, yeah. it's like, who do you think you are? As if I yeah. had thought of this. But actually, if you try it, it works. So yeah. yeah, these days, I walk my dogs before I go to bed. I take a short a hot shower, put my window open, um, make sure my bed is made f- with fresh linen or just made right. nice. You know, so that you come in, in in a nice room, in a nice bed. Sure. And then it's so... F- it's just wonderful to lie there. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to yeah. sleep. Just enjoy yeah. your work. Interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you, do you tackle these issues that people have, uh, whether it's emotions or, or things like sleeping, do you tackle them one at a time or do you in a treatment plan lay out several issues with a plan for each? Well, sometimes you solve a whole bunch of things with one solution. True. Like if you teach people how to get their rest, there's a lot of stuff not in the in the new day. Right. Because they slept a good night. Right. So right. a lot of things we bring up, uh, and I don't mean that in a, a condescending way, what, but we bring up a lot of drama because we are tired and overwhelmed. Sure. Yeah. And we we need to stop doing that because we load ourselves up to the hilt with th- mm. things we cannot solve and it right. don't matter. Right. And these are things I've learned from my mother and my great-grandmother and my grandmother who always said, live in the moment, mm. live in this yep. breath, yep. and let tomorrow take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whatever you think tomorrow will bring, it will bring different things. So it, it, there's no use in worrying. And I think that is so true. So one of the best things in self-care is tell yourself to stay out of the past and stay out of the future. Yeah, that that's very, very hard. Do you have any techniques that you offer people that might help them to do that or to try to do that? Well, it's just a thought. Just the thought. Can I actually solve anything if I think about this? Uh-huh. Is there here and now a solution that will help me with the problem I'm thinking about or the moment I'm thinking about or the issue I'm thinking about? And if there's not, let it go. Mm-hmm. And that is hard. So you have to say to yourself, maybe 3,000 times a day, this is not in the now. This is not in the here and now. I'm I'm not going to solve anything right. when I spoil my energy on this. I have to be in the here and now and take it with breath work. I think breath work is one of the best things you can do in self-care to take yourself back to the here and now because right. you only live one breath at a time. Exactly. You can't exactly. live breaths in the past and you can't live breaths in the future. You can only live the breaths in the here and now. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I was um, watching a technique that somebody was doing the other day. I was watching a video about breathing and she presented a kind of a perspective that, again, I hadn't thought of. And I, I love it when that happens because it gives me all kinds of new ideas. But she was saying that Uh, Many times when you're doing breathing exercises, you will do, say, the inhale portion of your breath to, say, the count of six or seven. And then when you exhale, you'll do it more quickly. Quicker, yeah. And what she would do is she would find that she would use that method to inhale for a longer count than exhale if she wanted energy, if she wanted to get more oxygen in her system, for example getting ready for a project, summoning up that motivation. On the other hand, if it was more anxiety that was an issue, that she would reverse that technique and do a lower count of intake and a longer count for the exhale. And that was more of a calming technique. And I thought, you know, that's pretty, pretty interesting. And it's pretty Mm -hmm. spot on. So do you actually go through breathing techniques, for example, with your clients? 
Well, I have one that I'm very fond of, and that is um, when children cry, they make a, they make a sob. You know, they go like, you know, yes, the, the, yes. The inhales, uh, the the um, um, exhilarated exhale in, inhales. Right, right. And you, uh, this is one of the ways to get more oxygen. That's why oh. why, why you do that when you are really sobbing. Yeah. And you don't have to sob to do that. One of the things you can do is inhale and yeah. by the nose and directly inhale another one. Oh. So you go and then you exhale by the mouth and you go on the end of your exhale, you go oh. as far as you go. And you, oh. and you can actually do yeah. because it makes you laugh. And- laugh is always good. Yeah, and and what does that accomplish when you do that? Well, um, the technique is meant that you you take your both your inhales and balance them out. They have to be about the same count, okay, or, or the same volume of lung volume. And if you do one, you feel okay. The last one wasn't good enough, so you you balance them out. And because you start balancing those both inhales out, you set your brain to work on this particular topic. So if you're anxious and you do this, you change your thought pattern. You will go to another subject and you have to focus, otherwise it doesn't work. And if you do the the double in and the one out with the puffs, what it does, it gives you a a, a good amount of oxygen, but it also relaxes your um, upper chest muscles and your shoulders and your uh, ribcage muscles. Because you have to do the, the exhale with the puffs. Right. So it gives you, and, and this is in grief, you cramp in the in the upper torso. Mm-hmm. So this breathing helps you to uncramp your upper torso. And okay. the, the amount of energy uh, that comes with the extra oxygen is very significant. Because when I do this three, four times, I notice, one of the first things I notice is that I see so much clearer. Mm-hmm. It's like putting glasses on. That's hmm. such a difference, and you can hear better. Your, your all your senses open up, and uh, it gives you also a, a lot of oxygen in your brain. But because you are focused on your inhales and exhales, it calms you down. It's an, an immediately there's an oxytocin shot to okay. it. Hmm. So oh. that works for me, and it's one of the, the simpler things to do. Uh, especially if you're crying um, and you want to step out of the crying, this is a very good one to get out of the crying. Interesting. Hmm. Alexandra, do you find that um, in the beginning of this self-care that it's harder for people to kind of get, or I don't know about get in the groove of the self-care plan, but feeling like they should be doing self-care things for themselves yeah i understand what you say for me there's three periods in grief uh one is to mourn the second is to mend and the third is to match up and the the first one is where you are acutely in grief where your grief grief is uh, indeed a crisis and it's very hard to be in self-care and especially if you say to yourself i must take care of myself it's another burden Right. Um, that first phase is all about survival. It's it's as simple as that. You cannot it be is. working on anything 
to establish yourself again because you're not there yet. Right, this, right. Is, this is also the, the, the period where it's very hard for people to find a good grief counselor because actually mm -hmm. they cannot be counseled at that time. It's right. too early. Mm -hmm. So the only thing you can do as people around those people is support them in their survival. And good grief counselors don't start telling people what they have to do in, in that phase because they're simply not ready for it. Right. They only acknowledge their grief and give them some of the tips to stay out of the anxiety and to try and at least don't think of themselves as uh, failing something. Right. Most people who start out with grief have a feeling they should be able to do this. Right. I have not ever... Well, maybe my last two, from, I have lost 20 people in my life who were oh my. loud or significant. Yeah. Oof. And the last two, I was like, okay, now I know what I have to do. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but you cannot expect from yourself that you, that you can do this or that you know how to do this. This is right. so overwhelming. Yeah. So we have to, the most important thing is to be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. And grant yourself just, you know, I don't know what happens. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how I'm going to come out of this. I just right. don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. I think another, I think just people knowing, you know, half of the reason we do this podcast is so that others don't feel like, And, you know, we, we say that we aren't professionals ourselves. We're just normal people who have gone through these things, knowing that you're not alone and it's not strange for how you might be handling it or might not be handling it. Just, exactly. just knowing that just that one thing is comforting, to, you know, yeah. I'm not mm -hmm. strange for holding on to this because someone, you know, a friend of mine says, well, you should be over it now. It's been four years. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, so I think knowing that you're not alone and even 20 years down, it's still going to be there for you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You definitely don't get over it. No, <laughs> no. The loss is something that is a new fact of life. You, right. yeah. you will never not be with that loss. That right. is right. the new status quo. Yeah. yeah. But I do hope that everybody heals his grief or her grief. Because right. being in grief all your life, that's very sad. And right. Exactly. I, and one of, the, one of the things you can do to keep in touch with life next to grief, so you have, you have grief, which is quite overwhelming and takes a lot of energy and time and focus and, and whatever, but there's always life parallel to that. And right. trying to keep in touch with the parallel life, with the things you love to do, mm -hmm that give you joy, that give you wonder, that give you excitement, that give you passion, that give you some sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Actually, those are the medications you need most in healing your grief. Right. right. But you have to get there first. Yes. Mm -hmm. The first phase is absolutely pure survival. And, mm -hmm. and I, I love that you put that, that spin on it, that it is survival. Um, yeah. And I know... I have said to people, you know, if today all you can do is crawl, then crawl. If yeah. that's all you can do, just don't, and, don't worry about doing anything acknowledge else. Acknowledge that that is just, just your achievement today. Yeah, right? exactly. 
that's why I do journaling with my clients. I have okay. a special journal for them. Mm-hmm. And they can keep track of of several things like have I eaten well, have I slept right. how many hours, um, um, have I set myself some kind of intention for the day, and have I right. um, achieved that? Yeah. But also just write down three things before you go to sleep that went well, and that might be just the, the plain things like I had a shower today. Exactly. The first thing I ever wrote down in this kind of way was I had a shower, I did grocery shopping, <laughs> and I cooked. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I can relate. I can relate. And the, Not necessarily like, in the same day either. No. <laughs> no, no. I achieved something today. Right. And yeah. the next day I wrote some of those things and I wrote, I saw a robin today, which oh. is for me a reminder of my mother. Okay. And I wrote a bit about what, what it did for me to see a robin. I mm-hmm. was surprised it was not November yet. So I was really surprised to see Robin. Right. And if you write these kind of things down, either the things that you achieve or that went well or the contact you had with someone, even if it's just the cashier at the grocery shop mm-hmm. or things you created, if you are a drawer or a painter and mm-hmm. you start doing some kind of creative work again, please acknowledge that in your journal because... Sure. There will be days that you feel like there has nothing changed since day one. Mm -hmm. And if you take your journal and you read back and you see what you have achieved in those weeks or months since your loss came to be, you will be very proud of yourself. And it will so much help you to keep motivated, uh, to keep being motivated on your journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned three phases. And the first one to mourn, which we certainly understand, that's that survival mode. The second one to mend, and I'm guessing that's where the self-care comes in and and kind of rebuilding, readapting. I know I told Stephanie after I lost Tom, I feel like I'm redefining my life. Uh, you know, that's my right. life was entirely that's different. It. That's but it. But the third phase you called the matchup. What is the matchup? The match up is where you where you have um, found in how should I put it? When you are in grief, you break like a mirror in a thousand pieces. And when you are in the period of to mend, you puzzle back those pieces into the format you were once used to. And some of the pieces won't be traceable; they are gone. Right. And there will be holes. And some of the pieces will fit, but not in a way you were used to. So you have to find a new place for them in your framework. So at the end, you have a mirror that has some patches and some holes and some places where things are not quite as you were used to. And you have to fill that up or repair that so that it all fits into your framework of who you are. Okay. And you will look in this in it in this mirror and you will see yourself in a different light. Mm-hmm. You will ex- expect that it's really fragmented, but on the other hand, when you look at it, you still see yourself. Yeah. But it has been broken. That's interesting. Yeah. That, that that's interesting. And that's a, that's a concept that I've not really heard. I like that though. I, I like that. 
It reminds me of an episode we did, oh gosh, over a year ago about the um, Kintsugi, Kintsugi method. Yeah. Yeah. Kintsugi yep. uh, that they do. I think it's in Japan, how that yep. they will repair a bowl. They won't throw the bowl out. You know, even if there's missing pieces or a piece doesn't fit, as you mentioned, it doesn't fit quite so easily. They will put this gold painted adhesive in there and put it all back together and make it more beautiful because yes. of what's what was broken. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I just love cars. that. Yeah. Right. I just love that that entire thought and everything yeah. like that. So, yeah, yeah. that. So if, if you if you have that restored image of yourself, mm -hmm. yeah, then it's time to place that into the world again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how yeah. do I? Who is left? Because let's right. be very honest. When you get into grief, there's a whole lot of people you were very close to. Yeah, you never see them again. That's right. Yeah, yep. that's right. The collateral damage in friendships and acquaintances yep. after loss is humongous. Yes. There will be about three or four that will be left, and the rest is like, nah, well, bye, go yeah. forever. Exactly. Or, they, or yeah. they show up on the moment you're feeling better. Sure. Then yeah. you feel like, sorry, honey, but you left me in the ditch for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. So you have to re-socialize. Mm -hmm. And because you have changed and your view on yourself has changed and your mm -hmm. your perception of who you are and what your purpose yep. is in life and what your plan is in life has changed, yep. you have to re-socialize. Yeah. And that is to match up. One of the elements uh, is friendships, but it's also maybe moving because you mm -hmm. can't afford or uh, maintain the place you live in. It can mm -hmm. also be... Um, Choosing or, or having to find another job, right? Uh, it it uh, it can be that you had a really uh, active social life with mm -hmm. your husband in his former career group, right. and that is right. gone. So there's so many elements of that, but one Very of the true. most important elements is: Do I want to love again, and am I yeah. able? To? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of discussion um, in some of the Facebook groups. I'm in about the entire thing and it's, there are very few people that are on the fence. So, so the, many of them are just, it's, it's this or it's it? that. That's it. You know, pure and simple. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I have to interrupt and say, sadly, our time is just about up yeah. for today. Uh, it's been a, a very, very exciting conversation for me. Uh, and I've really enjoyed the perspective you brought. Before we wrap up, though, Alexandra, I want to offer you a chance to speak directly to our listeners. We have listeners in 57 different countries right wow. now. So they're, they're all over the globe. That's so impressive. we would like you to just speak directly to them. I would imagine, for example, that a lot of the work you do is done in the virtual environment. Yes. So uh, even though uh, you're in the uh, Netherlands, you can still help someone who might be listening in today. So this I, is your I, I chance to speak directly to our listeners. Let them know what services maybe that you offer and how they can reach you. Well, at this point, I offer the VIP days. Uh, I'm working on a on a course, on a group course, but that's not uh, ready yet. So if you're interested in working with me, it will be in a VIP context. And um, you can find me on Facebook 
facebook.com slash alexandramaas.com. So no dot there. And um, uh, send me a message uh, via Messenger and we'll contact. And I okay. think that's the, that's the best way. And I post two or three times a week at least. Mm-hmm. And starting to do live. So um, next coming Tuesday, I will do a live that's called Cup of Grief. Mm-hmm. And it's my intention to do that more often and start my own podcast. So maybe I will be inviting you two to come to oh. my podcast soon. <laughs> we'd, we'd love that. We really, would really would. Yeah. Um, we will certainly post the information on how to reach you in our episode notes that gets released with the podcast, as well as put it on our website. And people also know that they can always just reach out to Stephanie or myself if they want to get in contact with someone, and we will just make that happen. Uh, We thank you so, so much, Alexandra, for today. I know that the time difference sometimes can be a challenge, but uh, it it worked out today as well. We want to have you back in a month or so, because in reading your bio, it became clear that you specialize in men's grief. Yeah. So I know there are some men out there listening. Maybe we have a majority of women, but you might be worried about a man that you know, maybe a brother, maybe a father who's grieving and really, really not doing well. So consider for a moment that the men, they grieve entirely different. Each of us women grieve differently. Men grieve even more differently. They're not as open. It's sometimes more difficult for them to share. Alexandra specializes in men's grief. So we want to have her back and we want to discuss some of the differences in how men grieve so that we can be just as supportive to the men in our lives as the women. But as for today, listeners, we're going to remind you again, self-care is very important. And now we have a new perspective added on to that, that part of self-care can be educating yourself about grief your own grief, the way you grieve, you know how you feel. And what you feel is perfectly normal. You're not crazy. You're not losing it. It's perfectly normal. It's yours. It's your journey. But you know what? You're not alone. So we hope you come back again next week. Take care of yourself as we all continue to live in grief. Thank you so much for listening with us today. Do you have a topic that you'd like us to cover or do you have a question from one of our episodes? Please email us at info at asiliveandgrieve.com and let us know. We hope you will find a moment to leave a review, send an email, and share with others. Join us next time as we continue to live and grieve together.